Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lift to Roll show. I am your host for the day, Brianna Wheeler. Today, we are going to be talking about suicide awareness and um, spinal cord injury awareness, kind of it like together, mental health. I thought it was interesting that it's both months this month, and I thought it should be a subject that we talk about because it's honestly not something that's talked about too much, but it, it I know that it's something that a lot of people with spinal cord injuries suffer with, especially right after their injury. So I thought since we have our beauty Jessica and we can pick her brain a bit, that we should definitely do that and ask her some questions and um, see where we go with that. So this show, um, I don't have direct questions, uh, Maya, unfortunately, couldn't make it today, so she had some questions as well. We're, we're all going to um, pick out some to ask Jessica. So we're just going to kind of talk broad about it. If you guys have any experiences or questions in the chat, then feel free. I mean, please let us know because there's going to be other people watching this back, and I want them overall to know that they're not alone and that there's other people who have these questions and that there's answers to them. So, yeah. Um, so let's do introductions first. Uh, my name is Brianna. I was injured five years ago from a gunshot wound, and I am a T12 through L5 incomplete. Let's go to Ashley and Nikki. We're Ashley and Nikki. We were injured two and a half years ago in a car accident. I'm a C4 quadriplegic. She's a T6. We're from Chicago. Yeah, paraquad. Thanks, loves. They're, you guys, they're freezing up just a little bit, so bear with us and let us know um, what you guys are seeing or if we cut out at any point, um, just please let us know about that. Um, so Jessica, I want to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Brito. I was injured 11 years ago. I am a C7 incomplete from a car accident. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so today is definitely going to be a touchy subject. We have stuff inside of the bio just about suicide awareness, and it's just a trigger warning to anybody out there listening that we are going to be talking about some touchy subjects. So if that is for you, then this might not be the right video. Um, I just like to say that we lost Ashley and Nikki. Hopefully, they pop back in. They're having a little bit of technical issues today. We're having a rocky month, which. As many of you guys know, with the spinal cord injury is something that comes with our injury, UTIs, problems, kind of our body not keeping up with us, you know, um, but we pushed through to get this information out for other people. I think that's what's so important about it and what kind of pushes us to keep on coming back for these videos. So, okay, it's going to be me and you, Jessica. <laughs> So how about we start with just a little basic information of what suicide, like what it is yeah. and mentally how it manifests. So a lot of people don't realize, but suicidal thoughts are pretty normal for any difficult moment mentally. So anytime you're experiencing an extreme transition or an extreme adjustment, such as a spinal cord injury or a new diagnosis, um, it is normal to have some of these thoughts. However, it is also a sign that there is a mental health distress and it is important to talk to your doctor or talk to friends and family about it because the more we talk about it, the more the brain can process what's going on um, as humans. 
Social connection is kind of one of the antidotes to a lot of mental health issues and just talking about it instead of avoiding or repressing. Um, in extreme events, that is like where you have more of a plan and more of an intent and access to methods to hurt yourself, then that's kind of where it's time to go to the emergency room, call 911, um, really take medical action because Suicidal thoughts are actually just a symptom of a bigger problem. And just like any other symptoms that we experience physically, uh, suicidal thoughts are one of them. So the solution is to go to the hospital or to go to a doctor. Yes, thank you so much, Jessica. I think a lot of people feel like talking about it will make it more real and make it more in your face when it's actually the opposite. It will actually help your brain to cope with it, like you said. And I think that's really interesting because it's like when you get somebody when you're dealing with somebody, a loved one, let's say that's suicidal, or you may feel like they're acting more depressed or more isolated. And you might feel like, well, I don't want to bring up suicide to them because what about after I bring it up to them, they go and kill themselves, you know? So what do you think about that? Do you think if we have a loved one, should it be approached or should we just refer them to a mental health professional? You can always uh, approach it. Like you said, a lot of times people think that by asking someone if they've thought about hurting themselves or ending their life, that you're going to be putting ideas in their head. And the reality is, is that the ideas are already there. So you're not creating anything. Um, and the fact that you're willing to go there shows the individual that they're not alone and that it is safe to talk about it. Because a lot of times, it's like you start feeling that these thoughts are not normal and they make other people uncomfortable. And so you kind of just hide with these feelings and it does make it worse. So the more we talk about it, the more they start decreasing. Yeah, I think that that's so interesting and such an important fact to make because you might retreat. I know dealing with other people and I know other people dealing with me have retreated and they just kind of leave me isolated when I think that's kind of the worst thing to do It's because you're only trapped in your own thoughts and you have to realize that your thoughts are not facts and they feel like facts a lot of the time when especially when it's only you comparing your own thoughts to what you're thinking <laughs> um so ashley and nikki do you guys have a question that you want to start off with asking jessica um i guess here's a general question i have they're kind of basic but i'm gonna ask it anyways <laughs> what are some ways <laughs> that you would like people to deal with anxiety can you say that again? Sorry. What are some ways like you would tell people to deal with anxiety? Um, with anxiety, one of the biggest things that people aren't aware of sometimes is that one of the biggest factors or contributors um, is avoidance. So a lot of times, and avoidance we might think is something huge like, oh, um, there's this place that scares me, so I stay away from it. And that's kind of how people see avoidance. Um, avoidance can be, you know, I start having all these thoughts, so I'm going to avoid them. Um, you know, these people are having this conversation, so I'm going to avoid it. I have a lot of homework to get done, so I'm going to avoid it. Um, I have responsibilities, bills, whatever it may be. They make me anxious, so I'm going to avoid it. 
Um, so one of my recommendations is always to realize that you're avoiding and start working on that first. Um, mindfulness and meditation are usually going to be your best friend for anxiety because anxiety is such a big body um, reaction. And so what the body usually needs is some grounding. So something that kind of brings you back into your body as opposed to letting your brain go in the loop, right? Of constant thinking and worry and nervousness. You just need to kind of settle back into your own body. Um, so meditation can be really helpful. Um, other stimulants because it is a stimulant issue. So something that targets your um, senses, which is smell, touch, taste, uh, see. So if you focus on those three, four, I mean, five senses, it'll ground you back present moment and reduce the anxiety. Yeah, I think anxiety is definitely a tricky one. And I've learned, I've like tried different things. And recently, a new one that I learned from like, just watching mental health videos is the tightness that I have, like in my shoulders and my jaw and my mouth. I realized very recently, probably like within like the last like three months or so that I am constantly biting and like locking my jaw or I'm having my tongue pressed against the top of my mouth. And it's just my mind is is going crazy. So one of my things that I've been practicing recently is just to be like, let me just re literally relax my body. Let me just let myself relax a little bit. And and um, a lot of times my anxiety goes down with it. You know, I can kind of like then refocus on something and then like go from there. It doesn't always work. Sometimes I go on complete panic and I still can't breathe and I'm just like, I can't relax, you know, but I'm working on it definitely. So I think that that was something interesting to me because I've been doing it almost like my whole life and I didn't really know, notice it. Um, well, I don't know if you guys one, do that. One strategy for that is in as you're focusing on relaxing, do both. So first tighten every part of your body as much as you can, then relax it, then tighten it again, then relax it. Because your brain doesn't understand the difference between relaxing and tensing because it's already so stressed. So if you do both, then it can start understanding that you want it to relax. Oh, that's super interesting. I love that. I'm definitely going to try that out. Yeah, anxiety is definitely a big one for me. Um, how about you, Nicole? Do you have another general question that you want to ask? I guess I am curious. Yeah. Do you feel routines, but like, do, would you say like what people like health, like what they eat affects their mental health? Definitely, yeah. So what I tell people is that the reason why what you eat matters is because food is actually just supposed to be fuel for energy. And the way your body releases chemicals to break down the food um, is going to be a big impact. So mental health is physical health. Okay. So what happens is if you're not eating enough, your body will not have enough energy. So if you already have depressive symptoms, you probably lack serotonin and serotonin is a chemical that you know brings you down when you don't have enough of it so you don't have enough energy as it is because you have depression and then you don't eat and eating is fuel so you're just making it worse right 
when it comes to something like anxiety, if you don't eat, your body thinks that it's in survival mode and it makes you more anxious, right? And then you have the opposite, the overeaters. So anytime you eat too much or really heavy foods or foods that are just too much for your body to break down, your body has to release enough energy to break the food down. Right. So if you, again, your energy level is already very depleted because of depression, then all your energy is going to go to burning that food. Your depression will just get worse. And same thing with anxiety. Your body will start panicking because it has to exert so much energy to break down the food. So if you concentrate on eating three to five times a day, eating healthier foods, um, then it does help your mental health. Yeah, I needed to hear that because, I mean, I have been really struggling with eating right and getting the right um, nutrients in my body. And it just has affected me so bad now um, because I let it just go on for too long. And I guess I just didn't even relate it to also it making my mental health worse as well. You know? Um, And that was, I think what we were talking about right now about your kidneys, like, the way you eat, the amount of water you're taking in, and the stress levels that you're experiencing will make, it makes it more likely to have a UTI, have infections. It depletes your body from its defenses. So you're going to get something. Yeah. Um, And like, it's almost to the point where like, I have like, I'm deprived it for so long that it's like my body's like almost in survival mode now. So like, it's like everything at once is affecting me, even like my intestines, uh, you know, my bowel, all this stuff, my, my kidneys, you know, everything is like all going at once, which is making the other one even worse, you know? And so, and, and it kind of sucks because it's like, I mean, take our advice now and make it a habit to do it before it's too late before it gets to that point that you're inside the hospital you know and like um yeah so one of the comments uh, peter you said what about severe depressive disorder disorder what exactly are you asking about that um what what was your question regarding that if you could clarify for us uh, <clears throat> And then let's see. Okay. So then something I think that somebody is that a lot of people I think mention is I don't want to say I feel like this because I don't want to be told I'm crazy. I don't want to be locked up in a crazy place. I don't want them to do this. So, um, also like the different levels of suicidal thoughts. So I know like, you you know, when the doctor asks you like, are you suicidal? Are you suicidal? And you have to think about it for a second because it's like at one at one point, no, I don't want to necessarily kill myself like right now at this moment. You know, like I, I like almost like I don't know how to wear this right, but I almost don't have the guts to do it. I'm thinking about too many other things, right? Like I'm thinking about my family, I'm thinking about all this stuff. So like, no, am I thinking I'm gonna go home and actually kill myself? No, but do I feel like I don't want to be alive anymore? Yes, you know. Um, so, I mean, when do you have to, when, as you as a therapist, do you have to bring it to the attention of like, you know, the emergency room or something? So I think that's the big thing that I try to normalize for all my clients. It's like, you know, anyone struggling with something as intense as this injury is going to have the thought of like, okay, I'm not going to kill myself, but it'd be really nice if I just wasn't here. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, when I've mentored maybe injured 
expectations and everyone's telling them like, oh, it's such a blessing that you lived. Like I remember early on in my injury thinking, mm, is it a blessing or a curse? Like, mm-hmm. let's, you know, is that real? So having the thoughts is not an issue. Okay. Having mm-hmm. these thoughts is not the problem. Yes, it's recommended that you start talking to someone so that you can get through these thoughts and they don't get worse. Um, it's just like physical health, you know, like if if your urine starts getting cloudy and it starts smelling like, you know, you have a mild UTI or something's going on, right? And then, but if you don't deal with it, then it can get to your kidneys. And, you know, that's the part where you end up in the hospital. So same thing with these thoughts, like it's normal to have them, right? And to kind of say it to your doctor, and a lot of people don't realize that telling your primary care provider like, hey, I keep having these thoughts that I would just be better off dead is not a bad thing because it is a a medical condition, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You could be experiencing depression or severe anxiety where your body's trying to find a way out and it doesn't know how, and then your brain goes to these thoughts. So mentioning it to your primary care, what it'll do is it's just going to get you more resources, right? Mm -hmm. The same way we need a referral sometimes to the urologist or the, you know, GI doctor or whatever it may be, same thing, you know, mental health providers are around for a reason and maybe you just need a referral. And there is different levels even of therapy. There's, you know, brief therapy where if someone just experiencing these thoughts then you know they might just need like eight sessions six sessions to kind of just work through some of these thoughts because again they're pretty normal based on the situation you're going through what i tell my clients is if your thoughts start scaring you and you don't feel safe right you start thinking about strategies on how could i do it and how could i avoid anyone finding me and you know what's the fastest way to do it or once you start getting very detailed in your plan that's Mm -hmm. and and the fear what people don't realize is a lot of people become fearful of these thoughts right and when the fear starts, that's where we advise anyone to go to the emergency room, you know, to call 911 or even if you're not at that level yet where you have a totally detailed plan, starting to make these phone calls to like the suicide hotline, crisis hotline, um, and starting to just have the conversation. Because again, not talking about it is what makes it worse. And... Mm-hmm medical professionals and therapists, they're not going to think, oh, this person has these thoughts, so they're crazy. Mind you, unfortunately, our medical providers sometimes do get like a little scared when you throw the word suicide or death, but it's just because they're not trained. It's not their specialty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd like to just also mention if you feel like also you're finally get a therapist and you're sharing your thoughts and they're not giving you the right feedback, then look around, you know, sometimes different therapists 
fit different people, you know, and before I would kind of get an attachment to whoever my doctor or therapist was, and I would get almost more anxiety thinking about having to make a new appointment and having to get a new doctor and go through that whole process than I was about just dealing with this crappy doctor in front of me, you know, and so I would have to battle that in my head, like, do I want to you know, not have this doctor anymore, go through that whole process again and do all these things over and over. Like, it, it's a hard battle. So I would just say don't give up and know that the right therapist for you is out there and there are resources. And um, yeah, um, so I think that that's super important. Oh, thank you for the super chat, Ashley. Appreciate it so much. Um, Spinal cord injury awareness month. Yes, what'd you say? Yes. I guess so you said like therapisting your kids. What would you say to someone who's like maybe suicidal or just like wants to express their, I guess, mental health to like family and friends, but maybe their family and friends are like panning that narrative that they're crazy? Um, I would say identify safe people, right? Not, and realistically, not everyone deserves the same level of intimacy and vulnerability from us, right? Like, not everyone is someone I want to tell my business to. So identifying, you know, what I always say is three safe people, three friends. Um, if you can't identify a friend or a family, then a professional, whether it's, you know, maybe an old professor you had, an old teacher, a counselor, um, just reaching out to someone that at some point helped you feel safe. You know, it's a, a lot of times... It, the family that you have is not the family you can count on. So creating your own family system, right? Mm -hmm. Breaking away from the norm. I love that. I think that that's um, so important. And so an advice for that is maybe even searching like the hashtags of mental health and reading up other people's stories. And you could either even reach out to somebody online that you don't even know. It's the same thing that we do with spinal cord injury. You could do with suicide, you could do with anxiety, you can do with any other disorder. People are really open with their stories on there and you can read people's stories and then reach out to people that you relate to, you know, and just find your own support system. Don't give up. Um, I know I felt that way when I first joined the spinal cord injury group because every video I watched, it felt like their advice to me would be to get it a support system. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I don't got one. Like, I don't got the support system that you're requesting of me to get on with my life. So now what do I do? And it kind of um, made me feel negative about it for a while and make me feel like there's no way for me to get to that point of confidence reaching, you know, inside of my wheelchair with the people that I had around me. And that was true. You know, I had to find a new fan to find people who understood me, who related to me, who I didn't get that bad energy with you know or didn't make me feel like i was going crazy you know because sometimes when you tell somebody oh i have i'm feeling anxiety right now and they say just get over it or breathe like it's not that serious you know it kind of makes you doubt yourself a little bit and um so i love that you said that just because not everybody is is worthy of knowing yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's um yeah that's important and i feel like a lot of people also they suffer from some type of mental um, illness, but they don't know how to identify it. And they're almost scared to identify with it. So sometimes it's like not almost that they're 
not only to understand what you're saying or they feel like you're not making sense, but almost they can't accept it because then they would have to accept their own mental illness. And and it just kind of goes in that cycle. So again, not feeling like you are the problem. It is not you, you know? Um, and I think another thing to touch on is just feeling that sometimes I feel like when you're in that depressive state of mind, and that's what Peter was talking about too, I think because we gave tips about anxiety, he's just thinking about tips for depressive disorder as well, severe depressive disorder. Um, But before we go into that, I was saying that, what was I saying? I can't even remember. (laughs) I don't even remember. Let's just go to our tips. Let's go to our tips. So um, what would be your tips for people that have a depressive disorder or feel like they're very depressed? So depression is um, really a behavioral change that needs to happen. And the reason why a lot... Oh, Jessica froze. Okay. I was like, is it me? Is it Jessica? Okay. You froze. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. What was I saying? Hmm. My brain is everywhere. Um, I could say I'm not going to... So I'm not an expert like Jessica, but... (laughs) like when I'm feeling down I think it's important to like do the things that you love as cliche Mm -hmm. as that sounds I don't know because I definitely have my moments you know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think it's um important to remind yourself that this too shall pass that this moment in time right now is not forever I think when you're feeling that for me when i'm feeling super depressed i feel like this is the end of the world i feel like this feeling's never going to go away and i need to remind myself that that is not a fact that is just something that i'm feeling right now and so sometimes i have to do different things it honestly really feels like i really have to go through a checklist sometimes sometimes it's like i need to cry um for 20 minutes you know and just like really get out sometimes i need to journal sometimes i need to smoke sometimes i need to talk on the phone you know, I just don't give up until it goes away. Sometimes I need to take a shower. Sometimes I need to eat some food. You know, the list goes on and on. So I guess my biggest tip would be don't give up. Keep trying different techniques until you get one. Um, because one will work and maybe the one that works today might not work tomorrow, but don't give up. Um, because unfortunately, this is an imbalance in our brain and it can be helped. So I think that's important. We got Jessica back. Woohoo! You guys, I'm going to have to finish this on my phone because my laptop is acting up. But, okay, so depression. What happened? All having technical issues. Girl, this laptop's (laughs) driving me crazy. So before you went away right now, Jessica, we were just talking about kind of going through things that we um, love to do. So I was just telling them how sometimes one thing doesn't help me one day and it will help me the next day. So like my biggest thing is just not giving up and and feeling like this feeling will last forever. Um, That's just what I touched on briefly before. Definitely. I agree. Um, And not just that, also, you know, what works for one person might not work for another. So that's Mm -hmm. normal. It doesn't mean that change can't happen. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to depression, especially major uh, depression, severe depression, is the chemical imbalance is really low serotonin and so the reason why doctors prescribe so quickly for depression is because if we can raise the serotonin levels then we can get the body moving so one of the biggest antidotes to depression is movement 
And unfortunately, when someone's experiencing severe depression, the idea of moving is really, really difficult. So when it comes to depression, it's more about going through the motions before your body and your brain start seeing the benefits. So if you are a quad and you know you don't have much movement in your body, um, you know having a caregiver do range of motion, finding activities like whether it can be you know a virtual game or something that's getting you to move actively in your brain. Um, you can look up different. What I taught people is like YouTube has a lot of resources for movement. So I always advise, um, first of all, is movement. The second thing is our diet. Diet is really important to depression um, because heavy foods are really going to make it hard for us to get those serotonin levels in order. And also like not eating enough is also going to cause a huge dip in your serotonin. So you want to make sure that you're eating right, you're eating healthy, and that you're finding some type of activity. If you can move physically, whether it's go for a push or, you know, just do range of motion at home by yourself, a lot of movement, um, you know, neck rolls, doing different games or activities online. And also, like we've been talking, finding a community whether it's group chats, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to mental health. I don't know what you might be interested, if you like sports, if you like certain actors or comedy or movies or anything that you might be a fan of has a group somewhere online. So just changing um, changing the story and the narrative in our brains is gonna be huge. Um, so just activity is the biggest antidote for depression. Yeah, I agree. So important. Something else that um, went through my mind, because I did mention the hashtags before. Um, I also wanted to mention that sometimes it can be triggering for me to, um, like when I am in, in a depressive mode, I can go down a rabbit loop of like just reading depressive stuff and like relating to it and like almost feeding my sadness and negative energy, you know? So there's like, I feel like a balance between relating to something, you know, and like that, that triumphing, you know, and then feeding into it. Um, so I don't know, I guess, is there any signs to, to that? Cause like, of course you don't want to feel alone. So you want to like search up like who else feels this way. But I think at some point you can't overdo it as well, you know? Um, and like, okay those feelings that that those are like okay feelings to always have you know yeah i think it's a balance because even music like i a lot of my clients who are in a depressed state want to listen to depressive music and then you know sometimes being in a depressed mood is something that just feels very like home um but understanding that even though it feels that way um how is it benefiting our life and doing a balance right like if i'm gonna listen to sad music half of the day the other half has to be really the opposite very upbeat very cheerful if i'm gonna be on forums where someone can relate to my depression then also go to forums that have to do with something else that interests us right so that yes we do have depression but depression is in our identity mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think that's so important. 
So um, let's talk about trauma and feeling suicidal or having mental health after trauma. Um, so why do you think that that is so common? Because I know I've talked to a lot of people that feel like they don't suffer with those depressive thoughts before their injury, but then it's like amplified and they don't really know what to do. So I guess we, I guess, you know, finding community is really important, but what personally um, would you say to them? Well, I mean, if you wake up and you're in a whole new body, like it's not the body you went to sleep in, you're gonna have, like you said, it's gonna be very traumatic, okay? Mm -hmm. And so trauma, what it does is it kind of, it either reinforces negative belief systems that we already had about ourselves or the world. So that would be the people that had issues before the trauma of being in a chair is just like, see, I knew it. I was screwed mm -hmm. forever, right? Um, or see, I knew it. The world sucks because, you know, there's so many shitty people in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's also the opposite, right? Um, the trauma can challenge your belief system. So if you believed that good things only, good things happen to good, thing, to good people and bad things happen to bad people, and then you wake up and your whole life is like ripped away from you, then you have to ask yourself, right? If that was my belief system, then does this mean I did something? Like, what did I do, right? So um, maybe the world isn't as safe as I once believed it to be. And that in itself can be very, very detrimental to our mental health. So trauma, which it doesn't matter how your injury happened, losing the function of your body is traumatic right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, because a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, their injuries due to trauma, you know, car accidents, gun violence, whatever it may be. But no, I mean, if you were perfectly fine, and you get an infection that attacks your spine or a tumor, and you went in for surgery, and you came out paralyzed, that's traumatic. So trauma really does a shift on the body. Um, it will trigger depression and anxiety because depression and anxiety are symptoms of trauma. So, so for example, the symptoms of depression are low mood, fatigue, no appetite or too much appetite, you know, thoughts of suicide. And then symptoms of anxiety would be overthinking, constantly worried, nervousness, fearful of the future. Um, if you have panic, it'll be like trouble breathing, heart palpitations, even numbness sometimes. Um, so those are symptoms of the disorder. Well, when it comes to post-traumatic stress, two of the symptoms are depression and anxiety. So it's like you get the full spectrum. And, and you know, there's a lot that happens after an injury. You know, for the people that can remember what happened, that's traumatic. For the people that have no clue what happened, because, you know, the brain will kind of shield you from knowing what happened. A lot of them want to know or they just feel like, what if I was at fault? Because they, they don't remember, right? So trauma just really takes a toll on us. Um, it really will change and shift whatever belief system we already had before our injury. So if we were perfectly fine before our injury and then are experiencing all this depression and anxiety, it's the trauma itself. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, you know, what 
I don't know what your beliefs are with medicine, but I know that right afterwards, you know, you're, you're, of course you have this intense amount of trauma, you know, you're feeling super depressive and you're feeling like all these new mental health issues and you go to talk to a therapist and their solution is let's put them on all these medications, these depressive medications and anxiety medications, because obviously they're feeling that they just went through something super traumatic and they need it. You know, um, like obviously I was super depressed. Like I was crying my eyes out, you know, right there and just being like, I hate my life. But it's like, um, you know, for me, the medication did, didn't help like the full amount that they gave me, you know, I didn't go through the right loops of it. They put me on a high dosage, like right at the beginning, you know? So anyways, my question is, do you think that people should um, invite that in? Like, do you think that they should be allowed, you know, um, allow the doctor to put them on medication or should they fight against it and feel like, let me just talk to a therapist more and see how, you know, this year is going to play out? Oh, it depends. As a therapist, I usually will advise my clients to go um, the natural route first, which is, you know, diet, exercise, and therapy. Um, talking to someone really can make a huge difference. However, if I need you to go to physical therapy and, you know, get stronger so that you can get closer to the life that will be fulfilling and you know you can't get out of bed right because mm -hmm. um, your depression is way too severe then yeah I, I would say maybe let's talk about medication i do think that unfortunately medication for mental health issues is kind of like a gamble because the dosage is something that needs to be played with a lot and so i know a lot of people get really frustrated with that um, but I think one of the biggest problems with medication is that it's not used together with therapy. There are so many doctors that will just want to give you a happy pill as opposed to doing both, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I, the best cure for any mental health issue is having, having all of it, you know, attacking the issue on all spectrums. And when we leave the therapy component out, that's the really hard part. And I think even getting off medication is easier when you have a therapist. So mm -hmm. I'm not There's against medication. Mm -hmm. I'm not against medication, but I don't think it always has to be your first step. Um, I think sometimes like we want to pathologize everything. Like, obviously I'm sad. I just suffered this crazy yeah. ass injury. What do you want me to feel? So it's like, well, we can't say all sadness is depression. Like that's just an appropriate response to a really hard moment. So I think working alongside a, a therapist is key. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so important because I am not against medication. I do believe that there's imbalances in our brain. I just honestly feel like the healthcare is so messed up that it's kind of makes people um, back away from it. And I feel like when you are newly injured, don't just try to numb out your pain. You know, you did just go through something traumatic. You're gonna feel sad. You're gonna feel these new emotions, you know, talk through it, you know, and um, if that's not working, know that there is medication there. I would say start on a lower dosage, but again, mm -hmm. everybody's different. So somebody could need a high dosage of this medication, a low dosage of this mixed with 
physical therapy mixed with therapy, you know, in general, in order to feel better. And so what happens is when you're on a different dosage, and I think that's what happened with me, you feel so unlike yourself that it makes you retreat away from the medicine completely and just be like, I'd rather just honestly deal with this uh, mental health than have to deal with not feeling like myself, you know, or feeling so sick. Um, so and yeah. I, and and a lot of people don't know this, but working with a therapist, like the therapist will help you in those moments where you're like, this medication is just making me feel worse, you know? And also to advocate, it depends on the therapist, but a lot of times they're willing to work with a, with the doctor and say, hey, you know what? Like, I don't agree with this medication. Like, can you take a look? And doctors are more open to listen to us than they are to the patients just because, you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, this patient just doesn't get that it takes time, which is true sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But other times it's like you need an advocate. So have your therapist do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a road. Yeah, I think therapy is so important. I think a lot of people get nervous to start therapy, you know, and to dig deep and to find out what's wrong. But you're kind of like just prolonging the problem, I feel like. And I feel like there's so many benefits to just having somebody to talk to, somebody that doesn't know, you know, your family members or your best friends or anything that you could just isn't biased to what you're saying is going to be straight up with you, tell you if your thoughts are, you know, are you thinking something that's totally way off? Or are you thinking something that a million people else are thinking, you know, um, and just give you a little bit of that validation. Oh, I, I hear myself oh, echoing. Do you guys hear me echoing? I don't know why. Yeah. Um, anyways. <clears throat> but yeah, so um, is there any um, last things that you guys want to say, Ashley and Nikki, um, about it before we go to you, Jessica? Mm. Um, I don't know. I liked everything that this everyone was saying in the conversation. And I, do, I am like, um, with the pill thing, I am like a big advocate for like, I think it's important to do the inner work before you start just mm -hmm. going on pills. That's my personal opinion. Nobody knocked me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important. Like I wasn't feeling like super depressed or emotional, but I started to see a therapist just because I knew that I needed someone to talk to. And I think people associate therapy with like crazy and it's like, no, sometimes it's good to just do it to do the inner work. Have someone who asks you questions that challenge you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also, I feel like um, to acknowledge that sometimes now, if you're an adult, realize that I had to realize, let me say it this way, I had to realize that my parents suffered from mental health issues. So their not first response was not to put me inside of therapy and to deal with the problem head on. You know, it has to be my responsibility now to form my new opinion about therapists in my adult life and not go out based off of therapy from everybody else's views of from me growing up, you know, and and kind of the stigmas that they put on therapy and people that go see therapists. Um, so that's and something I else I would say. To like therapy shop, like I know insurance can be a biggie, but like don't you, you don't have to settle. You can break up with your therapist. Like <laughs> if you don't like what they're saying, you can move on to another one. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're not stuck with any of these people. Set your boundaries. Yeah, definitely. And, and realistically, like you know, I've had clients. I probably have. I've had one or two that were like, I don't know if this is the right fit. And 
I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's find you a new one. And it, it can be like a partnership. You know, your therapist can find you the therapist that will work for you. Mm-hmm. And then most therapists, you know, financially speaking, will offer a free phone call just to get that feeling to see, hey, is this going to be right for me or not? Um, and if you are going to switch therapists, I always advise people talk to your therapist about it because um, it's supposed to be like you want to have somewhere to practice that breakup, you know, like, again, not having the conversation is avoidance. And it's only going to make that fear of the breakup harder, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, shop around, ask questions. Um, and even you can even when you call a therapist, ask them like, you know, this is what's going on with me. What are some of the best treatments? Because unfortunately, people don't know that we all have different interventions. So we don't do the same treatment for all things. You know, each thing will be different. So, you know, if I have a client come to me and say, this is what's going on with me, I can say, you know what, I think you would do really well with this treatment, but I don't do it. So let me help you find someone who does. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are different types of treatment too. Yeah. And then let me just say in like on the therapist side as well, you you know, at the same time, you aren't always going to like everything your therapist has to say. So I think that that's something also to be aware of because there's been some times where I had like a conversation with my therapist and I was just super annoyed. But afterwards, I thought about what they were saying and it did apply to me, you know, and growing, growing is going to be hard. You know, they're going to kind of... Um, you know, put a reality check on you, you know, and put a reality check on like your thoughts. And sometimes that's not always the funnest thing to hear is that you're thinking wrong. You know, sometimes we want to be told that we're what we're thinking is right and what we're feeling is right. And that's not always the truth, you know, so don't be so hard on your therapist, you know, but definitely um, maybe, maybe if we could come up with like a checklist to share or something about like if it's a good fit or if it's not a good fit, that would be something interesting maybe to share on social media, Jessica. Um, yeah. and that could help a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I think this was super interesting conversation. I feel like we all have mental health issues. Um, it, there's different levels of it, you know, but I feel like it's, uh, kind of can be a taboo sense in people's eyes and they feel like they have a lot of judgments on it. And so it can make people who have it kind of retreat and not share. And what we're trying to change is that we need to share. We need to open up about these things. We need to find techniques. We need to compare stories, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Jessica, is there anything else you'd like to say about, um, mental health or anything like that? Well, you know, like you said, we all have mental health. As long as you have a brain, then you have mental health and you just want to make sure that your health is optimal and that you're in a good place. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't do enough advocacy or don't have enough understanding for at least a wellness check. Like, well, let's just figure out if I am okay. You know, Um, Brianna brought up a good point how sometimes family... Mental health issues are genetic. So if you have it, someone in your family does too. So it's true that when we choose to make a change, it, it is a challenge for them because they have to look inward. And and so I always say, you know, make the work for yourself and the changes that you see in yourself, you, they'll start seeing changes in your relationships as well. And anyone with a spinal cord injury or 
anyone struggling with health, it, it that is just such a mind fuck. So make sure you're talking to someone. And if you don't feel that the issue is severe enough to call a therapist, just make sure you have at least three people in your life that you can call up and vent to and really just be in that shitty moment with so you're not alone. Um, and anyone thinking, you know, having suicidal thoughts, remember it's not abnormal, but it is a sign that maybe it's time to talk to someone. Yes. Thank you so much, Jessica, for having this conversation with us and talking to us and just clearing our head a little bit and uh, any of our viewers listening. Um, I do think it's so interesting that this, these two subjects like fall into with each other. I feel like regardless you know if you have a spinal cord injury or not everybody's dealing with all these mental health issues you know so it needs to be talked about um these are two so important topics and um yeah so so this was a great conversation i would just let you guys know that you're not alone out there um this is sometimes it's hard to you know um go to somebody for help and to say that out loud to you know you're almost in denial that something's wrong but that's avoidance and that's making it worse like jessica said you know um so rewatch back this clip and listen to all our tips you know because a lot of times it's kind of like self-sabotaging that we do and we kind of uh, run this cycle of self-sabotaging and we don't realize we don't realize it you know and so, so sometimes when people tell me like you know, how does it get better? How does it, how do, how can you say that life is okay with the disability? All these things, you know, it's just, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to, you know, and it's going to be hard, but it's a process. Don't worry. You have to start somewhere. So that would be my biggest advice. And um, make sure that you tune in every Tuesday to watch Sean and the guys talk about some great subjects. And we are back every first and third Thursday um, for our women's show. So make sure that you tune in with us there and uh, make sure that you follow our literal Instagram account. We really appreciate it. We've been posting a lot more over there and staying connected with the community. If you have any um, topics that you want us to cover, feel free to DM us. Uh, my messages are always open. Sean's messages are always open or on the channel. You can DM us there as well. And we're going to have some merch, new merch coming soon. So um, stay tuned for our iLiveToRoll.org. Uh, there's some stuff on there now. So support us. And yeah, I think that's all. We're out of here, guys. Have a great day. Bye.